regular, regular, regular features. A regular, regular, regular features. A regular, regular, regular features. A regular features of show. Hello. 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 Hi. Hello and welcome to a very, 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 very special episode of Regular Features. That's because your attention is usually divided amongst between more than two people. But now, tonight, you get to have laser focus on your two favourite boys. Mm. I won't tell you who I am until you know who the other guy is. Who is it, Joe? I'm Joe Scribbles. And I'm joined by... John Log Blythe. This is a very exciting moment, because I don't think the readers have ever been treated to this configuration. No. And do you know what I'd like to tell the readers? I'm a little bit nervous, not of having to do the podcast with you, Log, but more uh, our energies are Mm -hmm. usually supplanted by, or not not supplanted, supplemented, I should say. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to (laughs) say. By either Gav's powerful ability to chat about anything. Yes, and his ability to maintain a narrative, and he's, he's got a producer's brain while he goes. Yeah, yeah. Matt's ability to come in and extemporise on any subject he wants to talk about. Oh, that man could weave ten minutes out of a single word. Yeah. Steve's innate genius and competence um, around podcasting. Oh, yes. I don't believe that Steve doesn't have a fucking full booklet of outros. Because he just Mm. launches into it like an absolute pro and it makes me sick. And do you know what all three of them would have told us to do by now, Log? Get on with it. They would have told us to do a sync clap so that we don't fuck up the recording at the very start of the podcast. How are we expected to know this? Why don't we do a sync clap now with the readers there? Okay, readers, we do this every week when one of those other three people tells me or Log to do it. (laughs) So we're going to tell each other to do a little sync clap in three, two, one... Let's get on with it. Do you know what some people would do with an episode like this? Yes. No, I don't. Sorry, tell me. they delete it. They would just go in and cruelly delete the whole episode and think, you know what? The whole is better without this part. But the thing is, we here at Regular Features uh, in the... I'm going to call it the JJ subdivision. John and Joe. Uh, <laughs> we... we got all the J's. We love the offcuts, the deleted scenes, and that's why we've themed our entire two-boy episode around deleted scenes. Log, I believe you've you've uh, collated some famous deleted scenes that we can refer to for the for the readers. Well, I I just know that one of my favourite deleted scenes is quite famous. Well, everyone knows about all the big ones, but mm. the the scene in Alfred hit Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds. When Tippy Hedron ran full on into an ostrich, fell over, and the ostrich turned to the camera and said, "How rude!" It's uh, it is very famous when that ostrich looks directly into the camera and says, "How rude!" The first time we all realised that ostriches had the lips to say "rude." It was amazing. <laughs> yeah, the, not the not the lips to say "rude," obviously, but just they're mm-hmm. halfway there. God bless ostriches. Uh, Any other deleted scenes that spring to mind, Log? Well, we all know the bit in Ghostbusters when that lady flowing ghost drifts Mm. down the body of Ray Stance and gives him a little spectral BJ. 
<laughs> but do you remember the bit in that very same film where Slimer pulls a very, very long finger out of Sigourney Weaver, sniffs the end of it, gives the camera a wink, and Sigourney Weaver puts her hands on her hips and puffs her cheek out as though to say, Slimer! No, you don't remember that because it was cut out. Yeah, by the cowards at Columbia Pictures. Only Sigourney Weaver has a copy of that. And let me tell you, the VHS scan lines are very <laughs> taking over the video now. She's, she's worn it thin. With Sigourney Weaver's deleted deviancy on the mind. <laughs> Let's get into the features. Log. Yeah. Do you re- do you remember the nineteen nineties? Um, is this a piss take? <laughs> <laughs> I was in my fucking 20s, you cunt. I know, I'm not saying. It was, rhetor- it was a rhetorical question for you to say, yes, I was in my 20s. It was a great decade for me. It was the last optimistic decade, yes. Mm. How much uh, children's television did you watch during those years? Well, I'll tell you what, an awful lot, because a lot of my memories... And I will date children's TV wrong because I assumed I was watching Power Rangers when I was 15, but I wasn't. I was oh, I was 23 and watching Power Rangers <laughs> and really enjoying it. It's just, look, the Japanese know what they're doing with some kicks. Yeah. And there's a lot of Japanese kicks in that show. And they had that the perma episode structure down to a mm-hmm. T. I know. I knew, you- I knew when the putties were going to arrive. <laughs> <laughs> You, in a, in a classroom full of kids screaming, they're about to arrive! The putties are... <laughs> shut up, the putties are coming in! Uh, but in between the television shows, do you remember the advertising in the 1990s? And more specifically, Log, do you remember the advert for My Baby All Gone? My Baby All Gone? Yeah. The babe... Do you remember, <laughs> do you remember My Baby All Gone? It's not the baby that you flush between meals. <laughs> <laughs> no, my baby all gone was a little baby doll uh, that would make things. Its key feature was that it would make things all gone. It would make milk go away and it would make plastic cherries go away. Those were its two features. I do remember the milk, the plastic yeah. cherries. And its eyes would right. flick open when it wanted another cherry. <laughs> I, I think that was a. I think that was a later model. Um, <laughs> the eyes would flash red with little LEDs. They'd spin around and they'd be like just a fruit, a fruit machine, <laughs> telling you what you had to feed her next. <laughs> one oh, vertically and one horizontally, depending on milk or cherries. And her mouth would open with an audible cuckoo. <laughs> <laughs> um, for those who don't remember, my baby all gone. Let me just play you the commercial that you will remember from My Baby Baby All Gone. And particularly, it's the jingle. The jingle has stuck in my head since uh, I was, what, five? So, here we go. Daddy, watch (laughs) me feed my baby. My baby all gone. Look, all gone. Daddy, you can fill it again. Now, guess our favourite. Mmm, smells like cherries. My baby all gone. She loves cherries from her jar. She ate them. That's my girl. She's my baby all gone. 
That's my baby all gone. My baby all gone. That's that's been in my head for 30 years uh, and it's never gone away. And I had forgotten before watching it that the dad would sit there uh, and go, she ate it. Like right near the end, he properly gives it a big one. She ate it. (laughs) Really (laughs) impressed by the baby doll he bought his daughter. And he's just there lifting up the baby's clothes like, where'd you go? What the fuck? (laughs) It's all gone. Uh, My Baby All Gone, right? It's a classic 90s toy. But Mm. as all inventors want to improve upon their inventions, and I found out on a trip to an LA basement that they made loads of, uh, like, improvised uh, experimental features for my baby all gone. And not only did they invent the experimental features, they created the adverts for those features. And I have five <laughs> experimental as yet unheard baby all gone adverts that I will sprinkle <laughs> that I will sprinkle throughout this episode in lieu of jingles. Uh, so Throughout the episodes, we'll do little features, and then in between, you'll hear blasts of Baby All Gone. Um, and I'll play you the first now. This is uh, Baby All Gone. I think this came out, I think this was planned quite soon after release. I don't know what happened to it, um, but this was this was a feature they were going to add. And it kind of adds to the narrative of the first one. So in the first one, the dad's really impressed by the milk and the cherries. Um <laughs> But by this point... The dad's sick are, of that baby's shit. Yeah, they're old hat. He's, he knows those features are there. But he is blown away by the third Baby All Gone feature. My Baby All Gone, Daddy, did I show you how Baby All Gone drinks her milk? Yes. What about how she eats cherries from her jar? Yes, I've seen that. It's old news, honey. Well, what about how Baby All Gone can now harvest our wheat? What? That's right. Baby All Gone now has a tiny scythe for harvesting wheat. Wow, that's so convenient given that we are wheat farmers. Let's get her into the fields today. My Baby All Gone. My favourite film Mm. is Clue. Okay. Have you seen the film Clue? I have. It's got Tim Curry in it. It's got Tim Curry in it, all right. That's what he has got in it. It was released in cinemas with a novel twist on the format of showing films in cinemas with three separate endings that you'd only get to see one of them. And then presumably the the point was that you talk to someone else about it and they'll tell you, yes, I really enjoyed it when Mr. Mustard done it. And you go, what, what, what? I bet you just Scarlet Lady done it to me. And um, so... I, I don't know how that worked in the period before people were tweeting about things constantly. Mm. But, um, yeah. But but now, when you watch it now, you can buy it on Amazon for a few bob. And I really, if you haven't watched it, I recommend you do. It's a fucking good film. You get to watch each of the endings one after the other, which makes for a, a really fun, chaotic romp as they just say, and this is how it happened. This is how it happened. Then he did that. Then he did that. And then just keeps on going. It's like the... A, Fucking wonderful chaotic denouement with everyone running around the house for far longer than I think the director intended. But did you know that what I'm coming to is, did you know that the same thing originally was the case with the film The Green Mile? No! 
Well, just listen to this. <laughs> That's the bittersweet supernatural story of what happened. I had the day I met a bloke what had walked down a green mile. But one thought, more than any other, keeps me awake most nights. If that's what a green mile does, what in God's name would a red mile do? Thunderclap. I'm glad you asked, Tom Hanks. I'm Tim Curry from the Rainbow Mile Multiverse. Whenever <laughs> anyone walks a mile of any colour, it shatters the universe into seven fragments. And as Tim Curry, I get to see them all. Would you like to see what happened in the other universes, Tom Hanks? Not really. I think six alternate endings to my story would try a saint's patience. Well, okay, let's, let's forget orange and indigo then. Okay, but that's still four alternate endings. There's no such thing as a comedy rule of four, Tim. Okay, I'm just given. I've given up to the fact I'm going to be fucking um, not Ezra Pound. Cha Cha Heels won. Oh, Ella Fitzgerald, Ezra Pound. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to be a very, very famous poet whose voice I've never heard. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to be an exemplar of modernism. Here we go. It's not even that, is it? What's the name of the fucking... Gimme, gimme, cha-cha heels. It's not Ella Fitzgerald. I've gone mad. It's, um... It's... Diane Keaton. It's (laughs) Helen Waits. It's... It's Geordie LaForge. Jemima Cantata. It's... What is she called? Eartha Kitt! Stuart just shouted Eartha Kit from another room. Eartha Kit. Shut your fucking gob. In the Red Mile universe, John Coffey couldn't heal people, but he could cook sausages by holding them in his hands. But nobody wanted to eat the sausages, see, because it didn't look hygienic. Can't you put on a gauntlet or something? The mayor of that sleepy little town once asked John. Yes, he replied, but I don't want to. So... And so determined in his kindness was he, John Coffey, that he went from house to house at night, nudging freshly cooked sausages through the letterbox of the good folk of Louisiana. And housewives would wake up and find a delicious sausage cooked to perfection amongst their communiques from loved ones and local utility companies. Nonplussed but grateful, these women would feed that sausage to their hungry families. Then one day, a young boy on a tricycle saw John Coffey's midnight acts of charity and told his father, who, much to his surprise, was furious. Have you been feeding me John Coffey's hand sausages? He bellowed at his (laughs) wife. And after a really moving montage, John Coffey was soon dead because of prejudice. Makes you think, huh? Look, Tim, I think even four of these would be too long. Is the yellow mile shorter? Well, the orange mile was really short. Do you want me to do that one? Instead of the yellow mile? No, as well as the yellow mile. Then I must gracefully decline. Okay, then. After walking the yellow mile, John Coffey discovered that if he was doing the splits in a handstand and a true and trusted friend slammed their fist on his taint like he was a game show buzzer, John could shoot exploding piss daggers out of his dear sweet cock. 
He went on to fight in the 1935 May 2nd uprising, spraying the sack delistas with lethal piss daggers until a shard of shrapnel lodged in his taint, causing a low-energy stun dagger to fire directly into the face of Franklin D. Roosevelt himself, who was on the battlefield trying to make sure that everyone was crushing the uprising ethically. For all his hard work, John Coffey was hanged for treason, even though Franklin D. Roosevelt later admitted it was the horniest thing that had ever happened to him. This movie is over three hours long already, Tim. Please. Look, do you want me to skip the blue mile? It's dead racy, but extremely gay. I'm 108 years old. I desire nothing more than peace. I get it. Skip to the end. Okay, the color purple mile was a body swap <laughs> comedy where Oprah Winfrey played John Coffey, who... One stormy night did the Mexican wave in a thunderstorm and ended up swapping bodies with Oprah Winfrey, also played by Oprah Winfrey. Only it was a futuristic robot version of Oprah who'd been sent back in time to kill, wait for it, John Coffey. Actually, that one does sound quite good. Does it? Well, I'll tell you more, but maybe you shouldn't have been such a slack about the other ones. So, you're 108 and you're probably gagging for a nut, aren't you? I would never put it so indelicately. Well, I just want to tell you that if you'd asked to listen to the Indigo Mile, there was a really big woman who was about to sit on your face right about now. Wait. And now I must return to the Rainbow Mile conglomerate. Ta-ta, Tom Hanks. Wait, Tim! Tell me how the lovely big women felt! That is a sad film. It is. There's no happy ending to the the Mm. Green Mile. I like how, over the course of those endings, both of the characters start doing exactly the same voice. (laughs) Sometimes, when Tim Curry and Tom Hanks really act, they they run into each other and become one person, screaming out of two corners of their mouths. They feed off each other's energy. They're they're one of of Hollywood's classic double acts. They really are. (laughs) My baby all gone. Mommy bought me a new accessory for my baby all gone, and she said I had to show you. Well, honey, what is it? A rifle. Say hi to Grandpa. My baby all gone. Ah. <laughs> Deleted scenes. Well, the great loss to me would be if we found out that classic films pre-Marvel had toyed with the idea of a post-credits tease of a sequel but jettisoned them because of uh, misunderstanding among the people until Marvel came along and made it cool. (laughs) Um, So, for instance, what if, right, you watched all the way to the end of Seven and you got to the end of Seven and um, Brad Pitt had gone to prison. You mean the movie Seven, not not Police Academy Seven, yeah? (laughs) Yes, the movie S-E-7-E-N. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Brad Pitt's gone to prison. Detective Somerset's done his little speech at the very end. The credits play. I think it's um, it's probably Nine Inch Nails or someone naughty at the end. Typical. And then you get right to the end and it says Columbia TriStar or whatever. And then it goes black. And then what if, as should have happened, this credits post-credit sequence had played out? Two detectives are standing pensively in that little room attached to the interview room. You know, the little room that has a table and basically nothing else in it, in where policemen always stand to look from behind two-way mirrors at criminals sitting alone. You remember, it's like a tiny room. It barely fits two people, but sometimes there's like four detectives in there, all squeezed up and chatting. 
Anyway, thankfully in this case, just two detectives, so they have some amount of room to gesticulate. Tell me again what this freak-ass little creep did. Well, Sarge, this freak-ass little creep, he found out the governor didn't have no balls. Whoa, 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 you're telling me the governor ain't got no balls? No balls at all. So, so what's in there? Just juice or something? Don't know, Sarge. Could be some kind of a juice. I ain't talked to the police doctor about an empty ball sack. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I know what you're saying. You know what I'm saying. I know. I know what you're <laughs> I got. I got balls, Sarge. Oh, you got balls, kid. I know you got balls. Yeah, I got balls. No juice for me. No, no juice in there. You don't need to tell me, son. I, I seen him. You seen him? Yeah, I seen him. When? So the governor's got no balls, then how about this little freak-ass creep? <laughs> so this little freak-ass creep, he sneaks in one night, he's got balls in his pocket. Guys, carrying balls? In his pocket. Which pocket? Top pocket. What's he wearing? Some kind of fancy shirt? Cowboy shirt. A cowboy shirt? With the poppers instead of the buttons? Poppers all the way down, Sarge. Poppers and balls in the pocket. Well, I'll be... He sneaks in, in his cowboy shirt, he ties the governor down. So he ties him down, and I'm guessing he goes straight for the sack. I wish you was wrong, Sarge. But I'm right. I wish you ain't. But I ain't not right. You're wrong if you say you're wrong, that you say you ain't not right. So, so about this governor's sack. Guess where the balls go. From cowboy pocket to gentleman's socket. Beautifully put, Sarge. So, the governor got a couple new balls. It's a misdemeanor. Why do I gotta be caught out of my bed, wake up my wife by screaming at her that I'm waking up, and walk all sticky into the precinct on account of the gum on my shoes? Not a couple of balls, Sarge. What? He put more than a couple of balls in the governor, Sarge. Well, what are we talking here? He put 13 balls in there. A baker's dozen? Unlucky for some. Especially the baker. As the saying goes, balls in the batter, that's what's the matter. So we got a governor out there with 13 balls in his sack, and we got a little freak-ass creep in here with sack juice all over his hands. Case closed. Am I right? There's something else, Sarge. He left a note. A note? <laughs> yeah, he wrote it in sack juice right out of the windshield of the governor's Nissan Qashqai. Note says Deuteronomy 23-1. If I remember my Deuteronomy, that's a totally real Bible verse that says that no one whose testicles have been crushed may enter a church. Bingo, Detective Somerset. Detective Somerset removes his little fedora and rubs his face. By the way, it's been Morgan Freeman's character, Detective Somerset, this entire time, and I forgot to say. Have we looked into what happened to the governor's balls? Crushed, Sarge, by his own Nissan Qashqai. Have we checked what he was meant to be doing this coming Sunday? He was meant to be going to a church, Sarge. He was going to run a tombola. Detective, you remember how I solved a whole case where the murderer did murders based on the seven deadly sins? Yeah? I think we may have missed a sin about balls. <laughs> and a text card appears reading, Detective Somerset will return in seven, two, Eight. Dial UNBBAC for unexpected new balls before attending church. That 
should have been at the end of seven. And also, I'm not lying, there really is a Bible verse that says if your testicles have been crushed, you don't get to go to church anymore. That's a real... I've done research. Oh, my God. And this is why I should be in Hollywood writing about crimes and sins. Well, in that case, I'm very, very sorry for reading that in a sarcastic way when I said a totally (laughs) real Bible verse. (laughs) You gotta meet this kid, Marco. She's the greatest mob accountant I ever seen. I went into that office with tax receipts as fishy as Mama Hicolini's calamari rigatoni, and I came out of there clean. With my baby Algon's new crooked calculator attachment, I don't think we'll need to worry about the fucking feds no more. You know what I'm saying? I'll see you on Sunday at church. God bless you, Marco. My baby Algon. Well, that was a lot of fun, but it's not just um, adverts, films, and films <laughs> that have deleted scenes. It's You're also so right. it's also musics. I mean, um, so I mean, we all remember Nirvana's breakthrough album, Nevermind. And do you remember that on the 1991 Sonopress version of the CD format, there's a 10-minute silence after something in the way before you get the hidden bonus track, Endless Nameless? I do, because you talked to me about it on the last episode I edited where you left a massive gap at the end and said, it's like the end of Nevermind, before the hidden track Endless Nameless. (laughs) Only I did two seconds instead of a ten minute thing. (laughs) And it felt interminable. (laughs) (laughs) We're all a lot more impatient these days. I remember happily just sat there smiling at the sky while waiting ten minutes. (laughs) But did you know that that 10 minutes was originally filled with Dave Grohl eloquently explaining the nature of foo and why it desperately needed to be fought and several tactics and weapons that would aid humanity in the oncoming foo wars? Did you know that? I didn't. Did you know that that was deleted because the album producer, Butch Vig, was half foo from the waist down. I knew the name Butch was had to be from a foo. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, while he was producing it, you saw him from the waist up. All mm. man. But All those, big. But he kind of tapered off into some kind of smoky foo that you couldn't see. <laughs> like a gin. <laughs> but also, mm. one of everyone's favourite songs... Uh, Big Yellow Taxi by Joni Mitchell. The, the song that, as we both know, went on to inspire the, the, the hit game Crazy Taxi. <laughs> yeah. Also had some stuff at the end that got cut. So this is what the song that you and I know sounds like. <laughs> but did you know, on the original <laughs> recording... It sounded like this. Parking lot. (laughs) Oh my God. Did you hear that? Andrew. Oh, you've got to listen to what I just did. It's so funny. Peter, play it back for Andrew. Oh, it was mad. I I was just saying how they'd pay of paradise. 
<laughs> you know, and then I normally go, but up a parking lot, ooh, bap, bap, all that. Uh, fucking hell, man, this time I just went, but parking lot. Yes, <laughs> come, come back, Andrew. Honestly, it was funnier the first time. Play it back to them, Peter. Andrew needs to hear how funny it was. So, seriously, I, it was so funny. I did a really natural laugh because it was just so funny. I swear to God, Andrew, I didn't mean to do it. But the thing is, though, and this is daft, but it did make me laugh. I just thought, what if I was singing They Paved Paradise and Put Up a Farting Clock? Can you imagine that, Andrew? You, you live a decent life, you forgo all sin, and after 80 years of godly restraint, you get to heaven, and there's just this concrete plaza with a clock that just lets rip with a beefy fart every hour, on the hour for the rest of eternity. And um, basically, that was cut, because I think... Joni was drunk and didn't want to embarrass her. <laughs> mm, I imagine they must have, because it is an annoying laugh, though, isn't it? It's very much an annoying laugh. Do you want to do? <laughs> do, you want to do, do you want to try and do a different laugh? <laughs> I'll, I'll play. It. I'll play it, and you can do a different laugh. Okay. okay. <laughs> Mm-hmm. That's better. I'm going to have another go. Okay. In life. Paradise. Paradise. I don't know. That turned into a real laugh. That would have been more natural if she'd done the fake laugh and then gone. <laughs> actually, well, I'm so, actually, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to make that much noise. My baby, Hi, I'm Jonathan Orgon, the creator of Baby Orgon. When we created Baby Orgon, we made sure that it could do two things until they were all gone. Drink milk and eat cherries. These represented the duality of Baby Orgon. Liquids and solids, life and death, Robson and Jerome. However, we failed to account for a third state of matter that could be all gone. Gas. Many of you have written to me over the past months telling me that your children did not understand how baby all gone could not consume gas no matter what they tried. Some even told me that their baby all gone burst loudly when they attached it to a tyre inflator at a petrol station. We from the Orgon family are so sorry that your baby Orgons exploded. This is why we are presenting my baby Orgon 2, which now comes with a valve specially designed for pumping gas inside. All gases should be fine, including most wet vapours. My baby Orgon 2. Now it takes gas. My baby Orgon. So. Really, this isn't about deleted scenes. It's more de- it's deleted scenes from the fabric of my own life. Oh, because... well, we all have deleted scenes. Mm. Recently, I started re-listening to really old episodes of the Adam and Joe podcast because it is an escape from mm. whatever's going on now. 
Uh, and I was listening to an old episode, and Joe Cornish mentioned a blog called Ultra Culture. Did you ever read Ultra Culture? I never did, no. It was a film blog by a really young man. He started when he was about 16, who just had a really good uh, way of talking about films I in was a very sort of s- cynical, naughties way. I was um, going to say, they wouldn't have pointed attention to anyone who wasn't good, because they're not cruel No, that would have been, yeah, yeah, been yeah, weird. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and it was run by this guy called Charlie Line, who I've found, since found out was now goes by Charlie Shackleton. Um, hmm. And I thought it was very good. So I heard it mentioned. I was like, oh, I wonder what happened to Ultra Culture. Did I just fall off it? Um, or did it stop? So I looked it up, and it was last updated in 2019, but just as a, like, a what was Ultra Culture. And the last proper article really was 2014 or 2015. And it's now only just on web archive and stuff. So I looked it up and I went, that was nice. And I'm glad that he's having a nice time. I think he makes he makes films now. Yes, I was like looking at his website, charlie.film. He's doing well. And then two days after I did that, I was walking through Liverpool Street Station and just saw Charlie Lyne sitting on a bag, just sitting in the middle, of, like right in the middle of the station on a big, or bright orange bag like I was meant to see him. How can you be sure it was him? I mean, he is quite characteristically gawky. But... I knew, I because I'd looked at him two days before and been like, oh yeah, that's what Charlie Lyne looks like. And then I looked him up and went, he looks like this now. And then I walked through the station and went, that's Charlie Lyne sitting, or Charlie Shackleton, I suppose, yes. sitting on his big orange bag right in the middle of the station. Um, you can't be called Charlie Lyne and work in the entertainment industry and, have, and not get the same fucking joke made to you again and again. Which, which would be? Lines of Charlie, you dickhead. <laughs> and so I walked past him, and what did I do? I didn't talk to him, and I just left. Nice. Because I thought, I'm not going to interrupt this guy's day by saying, hello, I looked you up from when you were relevant to me, and now I'm going to impart that to you. There's no point. What's he going to get out of that interaction? Well, he's probably at a level of fame where that would be appreciated. Maybe. I mean, I know from running a pub, it's nice walking down the street and people going, oh, it's the guy I see in the pub. (laughs) I I like that. This is the point. I've really tossed tossed it about in my head. (laughs) How should I have 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 approached Charlie in Liverpool Street Station? And so these are the deleted scenes of approaches I could have taken to talk to Charlie Lyon and how they would have gone wrong. Style one would be misdirection. So I'd be like, hey, sorry to interrupt. I was just wondering where you got that big orange bag. You know, I've been wanting a bigger... You're Charlie Line! You're Charlie Line! And that's how that would have gone wrong, because I wouldn't have been able to misdirect for long enough. Number two, bribery. Hi, I just bought you this cheese and ham baguette from the nearby upper crust. I'd like to offer it to you in the spirit of you big Charlie Line from my past. <laughs> you make me nostalgic for me. Lies <laughs> is the third approach. Lies. Hey, you're cellist, Yo-Yo Ma. No, you're not. You're Charlie Line. <laughs> Confusion. I'm Charlie Line, you know. I'm Charlie Line from my past. Stop disagreeing with me and give me my big orange bag. Give it, Charlie. Oh, shit. I've given away your child. Charlie Line. <laughs> Song. Song approach. Uh, <laughs> 
wrote a blog in his teens. It was quite funny. Line, Charlie, line. And, which he wouldn't have liked. Uh, yeah, and I could have gone direct and said, Hi, my name's Joe, and I just wanted to ask if you were charling limes. And then and it would have gone wrong. So, yeah, I just, I don't think, I, sh- I, I feel like I made the right decision never telling Charlie Lyne slash Shackleton who I was, why I knew who he was, and asked why he was sitting on a big orange bag in Liverpool Street Station. But if anyone does know Charlie, just say from me, hello. And don't tell him where I'm from or or that this podcast exists because I bet it would make him feel weird. (laughs) This is an urgent recall message for buyers of the My Baby All Gone 2. It has been discovered that the new gas valve inserted into units of My Baby All Gone 2, which was intended to allow My Baby All Gone to suck in gas as well as milk and cherries, has a product fault which can result in gas leakage. Unfortunately, a manufacturing error means that when this gas leaks, it sounds as though My Baby All Gone is speaking, and the words it's saying or appearing to say are, a union man is only profitable when he's in the The Orcon Corporation wishes to apologise for the fault and assures all members of unions that it respects the rights of workers to organise and bargain with their employers. Defective My Baby Orcon 2 units can be returned by mail and they will not scab. So what's that we've got missing features of now? Film, film, adverts, music, music and life. Hmm. What if regular features had its own deleted scene? What if, before we started this podcast today, Joe, mm-hmm. we had a conversation that we cut out because it wasn't usable? Mm. What if you put some old-timey effects on it to make it sound like it was from the 1950s? Uh-huh. And we just had this conversation slagging off our friends. Oh yeah, like we did earlier today when we when we when we were talking over some ragtime that was playing in the background. Some Scott Joplin maple leaf rag, please. Well, I suppose we'd better get started recording in a minute, yeah. Yep, yep, need to get another episode in the old bag. Yep, squirt some features into the old bagaroo. The old boom, shake, shake, shake the bagaroo. Shoot another hot, wet ep into the old bag-a-lag-a-ding-dong. Did you hear back from Matt at all? Nah, I don't think he's going to be on tonight. I haven't heard a peep from that goon. Oh my god, he is a goon, isn't he? Yeah, fucking Jesus, yeah, he's, and he's not even a regular goon. He's a vast goon, untrammeled by decency, wit or sense. A goon. Um, a right royal goon abater in a palace of fanny blasting ninking poops. A goon. He's a true a goon. He's a true blue goon and a first class poltroon with a one way ticket to the goon strewn moon. Goon by my lord. Goon by If you chew into his fruity goon centre... Out will flow a sickly sweet river of goon juice. Oh, I've got hot, thick goon 
juice all on my new jumper. Gross, Matt. Why are you leaking goon juice onto Joe's scandy net so profusely? Uh, oh, disgusting. Matt, Matt. Right off putting is Matt. Um, it just stinks of goon juice. So, how about Steve? Heard from him? That goon? Oh my god, I'm so glad you said that. He is such a goon too. Oh my god, Log, it is so good to say it. I mean, save some goon flakes for the hungry kids, Steve. We'd all like to have breakfast. He's got so much hot goon stored up in his cheeks, I just want to slap him with both hands so it goes in my face. Yeah, give me that goon, Steve. I'll name that goon in one. I swear Steve is a significant contributor to global gooning, and someone needs to go round and ask him to chill the fuck out and dial down the one-man goon show. He's a fucking goon toadurkey. Have you ever spilled water on a massive old goon stain on your old favourite carpet? It just reactivates the goon. No. Well, that's how Steve was born. Oh, now you mention it. Yes, yes, I have done that. And it was me who spilled the water, which makes me Steve's dad. And I was the carpet. Oh, does that mean we're married? Yes. So, no Steve. No Matt. Who's the other one? Um... Gav. Gav. Yeah, that's it. Weird how that slipped my mind. It's easy to forget, Gav, because, you know... Go on. Thanks, I will. It's easy to forget Gav, because he's such a colossal, monolithic goon the human brain isn't even equipped to deal with. Well, you mean it's just like it's easy to forget you're on a planet because it feels like the entire world to you. It is the entire world to you, but then there's Gav. Ah, so, so, so human perception has never really needed to comprehend a goon on such a bewildering scale as Gav. We are still yet primitive creatures, but as the goon on the horizon rushes towards us, one thing is clear. The most pressing issue of our time is to find ways to explain to the world what an oppressively gigantic goon Gavin Murphy is. We're running out of time and we need to join the dots. Until we manage to gauge the full scope of Gavin's apocalyptic goonscape, we're going to need every penny we can get. Just two pounds an episode can help us purchase a set of calipers big enough to begin the endless process of navigating and pinching Gav's body. But that's not all. If you go to patreon.com slash regular features and promise to pay us money and never, never, never stop, we'll also give you something no other podcast offers. And not something as insulting as extra episodes. We're going to give you a B name to replace your squalid human moniker. And once you have the promise of a B name, you may enter the hive, our exclusive Discord full of similarly minded buzz beasts, and none of which are a goon to a one. Welcome to a goon-free environment. Your first mm. on that you the only one you've ever experienced. The rarefied air of the goonosphere. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> do we, we have to give any B names today? I think we do, just because we've said that we do that. So I think to do your scripted bit where we talk about B names so emphatically and then not give them would probably be uh, against the rules. Oh. So I'm going to just choose a few. I'm going to throw them at you. I want you to give no. a B name. No, I am not doing all the fucking B names, Joe. I'll help. I'll help. No, I'm just you. naming some. Don't sit above me like a god like Steve always does. And then he, every four episodes, he just lowers himself Wheels in a cloud and, and brings yeah, a whopper. And, and does an all-time B name every single time. Always. Well. Uh, okay. Let's work out a B name for Sam Cole Owens. 
I'm own, I'm only a bee and I wanna be you. No. <laughs> I'm only a bee is good. I'm Owen a bee. <laughs> that doesn't work. It's cold in the hive. No, hang on. So it's cold in the hive, so burn some coal so we can warm our bee fingers around some hot, hot coal. <laughs> <laughs> it's coal in the hive. So burn some coal to warm your bee fingers. I think that works. Okay. Just nice. using coal in two different ways, both times spelt wrong. <laughs> that's that's perfect. Uh just here's a here's one. Here's an interesting case. Mm. This person's just called Lachlan. Mm, that's a nice name. I don't want to take Lachlan. the piss out of that name. You don't have to. No, I don't. I, I just don't feel cruel to this person. I just <laughs> I, I instantly feel warmth. I lack landing skills, so I'm just going to point my stinger at your plop. No, no, mum. <laughs> yes, yes. Okay. I, I lack landing skills, so I'm going to sting your mum. <laughs> so I'm going to sting your mum. Now we're talking. Okay, we're on a roll. Let's do another. This is going to Edward Pemberton. I want one to sound like a Sherlock Holmes mystery. (laughs) The strange case of the stang leg. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I love that. And we'll do one more. And this will go to Lawrence Hudson. The Hudsucker Prox B. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes, that is really old-fashioned bee naming, and I love it. <laughs> Everyone, thank you so much for your contributions to the Beehive Patreon. And if you don't contribute, thanks for listening anyway. Tell people that we exist, especially if they're called Charlie Line. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to say how... What an absolute pleasure it was doing a, a two-man podcast with you, Joe Scrabbles, mm. my secret favourite. And um, oh. so, um, yeah, I, yeah, more like this. Let's let's hope they never make it back, and this just becomes me and you forever. A goon-free podcast. Okay, <laughs> the, the one and only goon-free podcast. Damn right. Okay, until next week. Enjoy yourselves, and don't get. Don't get messy on the pavement. Yeah, don't get messy on the pavement. I was going to try and do a deleted scenes thing, but delete that and make it don't get messy on the pavement. (laughs) Our catchphrase. I was really worried that one of us was going to have to be Michael Clark Duncan, and I didn't think that would go over well. No, no, he's not in it. He's not not in this. It's after he's died. He's end, already died. Spoilers for the Green Mile. <laughs> the big man who shoots flies out of his mouth. He's, oh no, he eats. Does he eat flies or does he, no, he yes, shoot them out of he, his head? He eats flies into his mouth. Yeah. And then my my then, Duncan all gone. He'll eat your flies up. Right. I make a mice live long. He's a baby all gone. <laughs>